I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's go. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Yeah. There is a different sound when a New York sports crowd cheers in unison. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. And they showed up and it sounded like 50,000 of them. And they were going nuts. Earlier on the show, Falcons head coach Arthur Smith, Stanford head coach David Shaw. Coming up, Colts head coach Frank Wright, plus acting legend Billy Crystal. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen is show is on the air, and we've already dropped the gloves. We're already tired from fighting. You know what I mean? Like we <laughs> we're, we're wiped out. Like we're already been in the penalty box. We're coming out, and we're going to start fighting again because you know we're just meeting out justice. That's the way we're rolling here on the Rich Eisen show. Is that odd? Goon squad. <laughs> is that odd? <laughs> is that odd? No. Uh, Frank Reich of the Indianapolis Colts calling in in a matter of seconds. You're going to keep me honest on that one, uh, Chris Brockman. I if you will. Don't mind. I Thank will. greatly appreciate them. Billy Crystal. One of my all-time favorites. Yes, sir. Cannot wait to chat with him. He's in a, a beautiful new movie that he wrote along with the uh, fellow uh, writer and friend of his, and uh, Alan Zweibel, and, um, and he directs it, and he stars in it with Tiffany Haddish. Beautiful movie um, that, uh, that will be in theaters nationwide starting tomorrow. And Michael Smith will take us to his show with Michael Holly. as every single day we uh, proceed NBC Sports on Peacock's brother from another. Albert Pujols was just released by the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, it's uh, last year of the 10-year, $253 million contract that uh, shocked much of baseball when he left St. Louis come out here to Southern California. He now has a 10-year, apparently, personal services contract with the Angels organization that will, will start as soon as he retires. So there is that. And uh, we were all wondering if, uh, with that 10-year contract, if he's 41, correct? He is if, 41, If the yeah. diminishing returns would allow him to uh, finish the deal, and the Angels have decided to release him. One of the all-time greats, a first ballot Hall of Famer as soon as he is eligible. I mean, he should get 100% of the vote. I don't. I, I can't well, see an argument against him. Yeah. Who, who the heck knows? <laughs> I'm, on his, I'm on his baseball reference page right now. Right. He is the all-time leader in grounded into double plays. How about that? Well, you want to give him a little bit more credit, Chris? Sorry. 600, <laughs> uh, 667 career home runs, 2,112 RBIs, obviously. Three-time MVP, one of the best ever. One of the best ever. Beloved in St. Louis here in Southern California. And um, so that's a uh, that's uh, a, it's always shocking to see you know, Albert Pujols released. Yeah. But, you know, it's something that's unsurprising as well. The um, Yankees have won five in a row after... You guys are hot. Well, nobody's hotter than Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, baby. Did Giancarlo Stanton just hit another home yes. run? Yes. Are you kidding me? Oh, wait, just now? Yes. Oh, yeah, you guys are playing right now. Thank you for including me as a part of the Yankees. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, Well, Billy Crystal, I would actually consider more part of the Yankees. 
Yeah. Since he, yes. you know, he's did seen that Mickey whole movie. Mantle home runs. You know, 61. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, Giancarlo Stanton. Yep. That's his, a 12-game hitting streak now. His ninth, 23rd RBI. I mean, He's that, not hitting 321. He was hitting a buck fifty when I called him the Jesse Barfield with more zeros in his bank account. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Garrett so Cole's on the mound, too. You're welcome. So what's the score right now? Uh, one nothing. All right. Bottom, keeping an eye on of all of that. We'll talk about the Yankees with uh, diehard Yankee fan Billy Crystal when he joins us here on the show. The head coach of the Indianapolis Colts back here on the program. Always great to have Frank Reich on the show. How are you, Coach? Rich, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Better for talking to you. Better for talking uh-huh. to you. What do you make of the narrative that we have in the National Football League media that you and you alone have the secret sauce for Carson Wentz? Let me just jump uh-huh. right in head first on that subject with you. What do you? I appreciate you jumping in on that. No, <laughs> you know, it's always anybody who, who I've ever worked with or the staffs I've ever worked on, no, it's always a collaborative approach. I, I never feel like, hey, I want to do my part, but it's a collaborative approach with the player, the coaches together, the team. Um, you know, that, that's what – it's the whole process, and it's the whole group. So that's the way we'll approach it here. So how are you approaching it with, uh, with Carson Wentz? What was your first yeah. conversation with him like when you were allowed to – when this became official and you were allowed to connect and things of that nature? Yeah, no Coach. doubt. And it's what, exactly what you would think and want it to be, Rich, or what anybody would want it to be, what Carson would want it to be. You know, you move teams, you go through what Carson has gone through – um, and, and an opportunity like this presents itself, you use it for what it is. It's time to hit the reset button, go back to the basics, the fundamentals, start, you know, starting at the very beginning. And, um, you know, you, you try to discipline yourself to do that as a player every year, no matter what, but it's hard to do once you're, you know, you get things going. But you go through something like this, a hey, new team, new beginning, let's, let's, let's use this to our advantage, Carson. Let's, and, and, and if you know Carson the way I know him, he's embracing that. He wants that. And he's working real hard and, and you know, looking forward to it and uh, off to a good start. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you have the ability to hit the, the reset button. But based on your knowledge of him and when he's at his best, I mean, when he when he dove for the end zone and had the uh, the mistake of, of diving for an end zone with Aaron Donald barreling in on him in the Los Angeles Coliseum a couple of years ago, that was the MVP of the, uh, of the season. I mean, he was the MVP up until that very moment when his knee was blown out, and we all know what happened with Nick Foles after that. But, yeah, and he, you're right, and he was at, at that point. I think everyone pretty much agrees. You maybe it could be argued, but he's probably uh, that day. If the voting's that day, he's the MVP. But so uh, I believe he's fully capable of that. But you know, we here, like most teams, you know, yeah, we want players who can produce at that level. But, uh, you know, we want to do the ordinary things in an extraordinary way and just play, just do your job at the position that you play, be the quarterback of this team. You know, a lot of that MVP season was due to the fact that he had a great offensive line in front of him in 2017 that was playing at a very high level. There was a good running game. There was a good defense. There was good special teams. There was good coaching. There was really good play calling by Doug Peterson. Um, you know, it was, and, and that, that all contributed to that. So that that's the approach here. You know, we I do believe that Carson has um, what it takes to have an MVP type season, but I also believe that at, that at this position, it starts up front with this team. You know, Chris Ballard and I, when we talk about it, we talk about building this team from the inside out, from the front, O line, D line, quarterback. So you know, and then Darius Slander, he's kind of the quarterback yes. of the defense. So. 
that, that's kind of how we're going to roll. Well, and in, in just one, uh, a few more on this subject matter, Frank Reich of the Colts here on the Rich Eisen Show. How much, though, you know, obviously it is collaborative, and uh, I know your owner is somebody who uh, delegates and then lets those people do their jobs. And um, but how much did, were you in this conversation with Chris Ballard and everyone else saying, I got this when it, it, it came a uh, call from Philadelphia or maybe vice versa to check on things that uh, it's yeah. possible to get Carson Wentz here? Well, no, it was it was what you just said, Rich. It was, you know, Mr. Ursay was Chris Bowers and myself. And so, you know, naturally at this position with my history, you know, they they were gracious enough to you know listen and, and lean on my knowledge and experience with Carson, but it was collaborative in his decision between the three of us. You know, obviously Mr. Ursay has to write the checks, so and Chris has to, you know, coordinate the trade and figure out how that's going to affect the dynamics of our whole team. So um, I played my part to give my evaluation of who Carson is. Obviously, um, you know, Mr. Ursay, as you know, um, being around this, you know, he's got a pretty astute opinion on matters as well and his perspective. And obviously, Chris is one of the top evaluators in this league. So it was a really dynamic uh, collaborative effort. And um, and thankfully, we were able to get done, work, work it out with Philly, where it was a, a long, arduous process. You know, nobody wanted to give. And, you know, it eventually, I think, fell to where what it was supposed to fall to, which was, I think, a, a fair deal for both sides. And then the last one on this subject matter, again, because you know Carson Wentz well and you know Philadelphia well, and I know that you're hitting the reset button, but I'm, um, I'm going to ask a question that I'd love to give you the, the floor on is the sense that the drafting of Jalen Hurts absolutely sent Carson Wentz into a, a bit of a tailspin that, you know, obviously the offensive line and other things were, were not working on his, beha- on his behalf, but he allowed things that he can't control to control him. Uh, I'm I'm wondering what what you say about that now that he is your quarterback in Indianapolis. Yeah, well, uh, well, first of all, I really don't have a sh- I don't think that's the case. I mean, you know, that's how I feel about it. That's mm-hmm. my opinion. That I don't think the drafting of another player sent Carson, uh, you know, in a tailspin. Um, I think there was. Uh, I think it's complicated. I think there's. It was uh, a lot of different dynamics. You know, everybody, you know, when you win or lose in this league, everybody should share in the success and everybody should share in the blame. It usually doesn't work that way. You know, the quarterback, head coach, whoever, GMs, you know, tend to be the focal point. So, you know, Carson Carson took his share of being the focal point of the blame, and that's part of the process of being a quarterback in this league, and you got to be a, a big boy and be able to take it. But um, you know, now's an opportunity to hit the reset button. It's an opportunity for the Eagles to set the reset button. And obviously, Rich, you know, I mean, just because from our past, I, you know, I'm, nothing that I want more than to see uh, the Eagles succeed and, and this be a win-win for both teams. And the Jalen Hurts is successful. It's, it's all good. I, I love great quarterback play, but I'm glad we got our. I'm glad we got our guy. Frank Reich, Indianapolis Colts here on the Rich Eisen Show. As if we needed more evidence of the intelligence of you and Chris Ballard together. You went ahead and drafted a Michigan man in your first round, (laughs) Frank. So um, congratulations on that. Uh, I love this kid, Quiddy Pay. I assume you um, clearly uh, got to know him very well and his story. What attracted you to Quiddy Pay to bestow your first round selection, 21st overall, on him? Yeah, well, you know, you're going to put a first round – uh, first round selection on a guy you better feel great about the tape you better feel great about the person and you know that that's really important to us so you know it came to it came to day one and 
uh, of the draft. And, and, you know, Chris, I remember Chris coming in and, you know, the whole way up to the draft feeling like that was our guy. But then, you know, Chris coming in, and, and we didn't think he was going to get to us. Um, but Chris coming in that day said, I got a good feeling. You know, I got a good feeling. Mm-hmm. I got a good feeling we're going to get him. <laughs> and uh, so he just he embodies what we're about. This is the kind of guy who has put on tape, on and off the field, in the locker room, the kind of player that we want that is, you know, productive, tough, um, strong mental toughness, great team-first player. Um, who we think is going to continue to ascend and get even better. And uh, the rest of your draft, because um, you, you hit the defensive line again, uh, safety on the back end, fifth overall. Uh, so three of the first four were, of your, your choices went um, on the defensive side of the ball. Walk me through the thought process on that, because as you know, there's a lot of talk in your town about needing a left tackle, and that was not addressed in the draft this time yeah. around. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you brought all those up. But first of all, on Di- on Dio, Dio, I should say, mm-hmm. um, boy, are we excited about that pick. I know people say, well, he's got an Achilles, but I'm just telling you, you watch, just watch the tape on this guy. I mean, and this isn't you know this isn't a career-ending type of injury. You know, you're young and you're going to heal quick and and complete. You know, we think we got a dynamic. We think we got a guy who could have been easily been a first-round draft pick. Um, we're so excited about getting dialed. We think we got two great pass rushers who who are going to get better and better and who fit what we do. They play like we want to play. They have the kind of football character that we look for in players. Um, you know, and then, you know, getting Davis, you know, and the tackle thing, Rich, it just didn't, yeah, did, were we think, did we want to take it? It just didn't play out. I mean, the tackles that we had in mind that we hoped fell at the right spots, it just never happened. Were we, was Chris talking and wheeling and dealing, doing, yeah, but it just never, it just, it just was never right. But we were super excited to get the two guys that we got. And, you know, we have a lot, we have other ways that we can continue to build our team and we'll continue to evaluate all options. We were excited to get Granson, you know, tight end. We think he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. We think he's explosive. Um, you know, so we think he can add some playmaking element to our offense. Um, so that, that's a quick summary of those guys. And I guess in the last one for you, uh, a kid that a lot of college football fans are familiar with is the quarterback you took in the sixth round, Sam Ellinger. What, what are yeah. you, what are you, th- what attracted you to him? And, uh, you know, we all know sixth-round selections at quarterback can, can yeah. work out. Um, yeah, yes, what, what, can. What, what are your thoughts on that subject with him and the future you see with him? Well, again, you go back to two things. We, we always go back, you know, the two things every team goes to. You go to the tape and then go to the locker room. And go to the tape and go to the locker room and what kind of a, what kind of a player do you see? You, you see the tape and you see this guy's a winner. You know, nothing's too big for him. He has ways of making plays. He's played a lot of winning football. Um, he has a unique ability to extend plays in his own unique fa- I've been around guys like this before or seen guys like this many times that, you know, he's not a, he's not going to wow, you know, you look at his 40 time, that's not going to wow you, but he has, he has this unique vision and balance and knack in the pocket that, that we're excited about. Um, and then he's super smart, super football smart, a great teammate. So we think it's a good dynamic in the quarterback room. And we think we got a good quarterback room. You know, Eason, you know, we drafted Eason last year right. and excited, excited about him. And so we'll just continue to de- develop those guys. Coach, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Let's, let's chat uh, down the line in the summertime and, uh, and, and reconnect. And I always appreciate our chats. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, it. you got it, Rich. You got it. That's Frank Reich, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. 
does not have the secret sauce of Carf- Carson Wentz. Confirmed. <laughs> Although it does appear like he does. I guess we'll see. Oh, I can't wait. Jonathan Taylor, you're too. Look out. Yep. Oh, they got Marlon Mack back from injury. Oh, Look baby. out. And then that guy who's a, the, the guard, that guy's going to have a bust one day, and he's nasty. Yeah, I've heard of him. Quinn he Nelson? Oh, is he just nasty? Yeah. I get scared watching film of him. Like, seriously, like, he frightens I, you on I, film. I, I, he doesn't. Li- he doesn't live on Elm Street, but he, he he's, well, his, he's like, frightening. His mic'd up. His NFL film. Oh my just, gosh, he is a monster. And you know, you have to thank for that. The Jets. <laughs> Jets traded up to their spot for th- in third, and they draft down to six to get an extra two in their back pocket and draft somebody who's going to Canton, which he will. If he stays healthy. Let's take a break. The one and only Billy Crystal. Come on, man. I cannot wait for this chat. Yeah. That's coming up next. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed If you wouldn't mind, I would love to to role play with you, just real briefly, Gronk. Okay, where I play the role of somebody that I'm kind of familiar with, and you play the role of somebody that you're familiar with. If you don't mind, um, I'm going to play a, a guy who went to Michigan. Um, okay, who's a leader in his field. Uh, his name is Tom, and you play the role of a tight end with a Hall of Fame resume. Okay. And the time is going to be, hmm, let's go, hmm, November 1st, 2019. In the future, not too distant future. Are, are, would you mind if we quickly role play this out? All right, we got, one, we got one scene. Okay, here we go, one scene. Here we go. Ready? Uh, Chris, say action when you got it. Okay, ready? All right, guys, <laughs> ready? All right, guys ready? Yes. Action. Hey, Rob, it's Tom. How you been? Hey, Tom. Good, man. I've been doing great, man. You're... You're still killing it. You're like 
42 years old now. I mean, yeah. I know you miss me, Tom. I know you do. I do. I do, Gronk. I do, man. We. It's not just me. It's it's everybody. We all miss you. And, you know, things are going great. You know, Bill's a pain in the ass. But it's really, you know, it's really, it's really something that could be better with you. Would you... Would you think of coming back and playing with me, Rob? Oh, Tom, I mean, you know I miss you too. I miss the guys, but I'm just chilling, man. I'm I'm down in the Bahamas right now, just relaxing. I got I'm sipping my water and I got I got your electrolytes in it, Tom. So <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry, baby. I got the electrolytes in the water and I'm sipping on a protein margarita time so <laughs> chilling. thank you i love you i miss you but there's but i'm just relaxing homie there's no chance rob this is tom this is tom you know call me when you get to the playoff <laughs> <laughs> and see cut <laughs> rob rob you're a natural man you are a natural oh. you're a natural that was great that, that was so funny <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It sounded uh, that was lifelike to me. I thought that was yeah, pretty that lifelike. Was, that to was pretty me. good. That was good. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Gronk giggle. That was 2019. Of course, he comes back a year later, and now he's back with Tom Brady winning Super Bowl. Trying to do it again. Unbelievable. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for the seven-year archive of this program. We're here on NBC Sports on Peacock. Every single day from 12 to 3 Eastern time, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. We welcome back our radio audience, Terrestrial Radio, Coast to Coast, Sirius XM, Odyssey, and so on and so forth. I couldn't be a bigger fan of this man. Um, I've told him that to his face, and now I've told him that while he's sitting on hold, while I get set to introduce the uh, only man other than Bob Hope to uh, host the Oscars as many times as he did. He had me at hello when he was a mime in Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. And uh, the last time he directed a film was the great film 61 about Mantle and Maris 20 years ago. And now he's back helming this beautiful film that is in a theater near you starting tomorrow. He directed, he co-wrote it. He stars in the film with the hilarious Tiffany Haddish, the great Billy Crystal here on The Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Billy? I'm good. Good. So nice to talk to you, Rich. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for doing this. Uh, I, I could go so many different directions with you. Let's start with the Yankees. Did you see Stanton Homer again today? Did you see that? Uh, already today? Yeah, he did. <laughs> They're playing today. I just got up. <laughs> <laughs> so did Stanton. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I know. He's. Uh, this is the best he's ever played right now. For the yeah, Yankees. I mean, what what was the uh, the exit velocity? I, <laughs> I can't get enough of that stuff too. The shift drives me nuts. Exit velocity, spin rate is something I did not grow up the with, spin Billy. Rate, yeah, you know the spin rate. Um, what what do you what do you make of the game today, Billy? I guess I'll give you the floor on that. Baseball? Yeah. What do you make of? Well, it? I always love baseball. I mean, it's some of the new rules, or uh, I don't like the man on second in the tenth inning and right that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, I, you know, the guys are bigger, stronger. You know, when I was playing baseball, I was a second baseman. I was the right size. Now, you know, I'm like a pinky ring to these guys. <laughs> and and uh, so, but it's still, I, I prefer to what's happening with the NBA. I have to say. What do you got? What's what, what's with you in the NBA? I just don't like the game anymore. I just don't like the. It's all 
you know, three-pointers and that's it. And it, it, some of the games just feel like all-star games. And, um, uh, and you know, the players are coming. It, it'll get better for me. Uh, and rooting for the Clippers hard. So how, how did you become a Clipper fan? Because I, I imagine uh, moving to Los Angeles, that is a conscious choice. That's a very, that's a choice you have to make living to law, in Los Angeles that you choose Clippers over Lakers. How did that happen for you? I, was, I had Lakers seats for a while when I was here. And um, I mean, when I first got here. And then someone said to me, um, "You ever been to a Clipper game?" And I, I went. Basically, it was almost like saying, "I don't, I don't go downtown." <laughs> and and I went, and there was really nobody there. A triple double meant there were three couples in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I liked the game. I, I just there was something about the sports arena, which was right. you know so old and and still had earthquake cracks in it, and they filled with foam. If you remember, in some of the hallways, it was crazy. But there was something about the underdog that I liked, and I just sort of stuck with it. And every time I thought I would leave, I go, mm, they just got a good draft pick, uh, except it was Olawakandi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I just sort of stuck with it, and then. Over time, we got better and better. We've been really good for the last 10 years. So um, it's, it's, I don't know, we just, it was hard to, like, say that's it for us. And and uh, we're very devoted to this team. So what about this year? I mean, I, I, I clearly you've established that you've soured a bit on the game, NBA, but the, the Clippers are third overall right now. And, uh, well, I guess fourth right now, um, yeah. tied with the Nuggets, but... They're 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 looking good. They're twenty two over. Kawhi obviously and uh, George didn't perform in the bubble the way that everyone expected. But this is a different year. What do you think? Yeah, about this we're part? very deep. Um, we're still in a way getting to know each other. You know, um, adding Rondo and and Demarcus Cousins, who's who's looked better and better each game. And um, you know, but the players are a different thing. I I'd love to see. Uh, Terrence Mann play more, and Luke Kennard as they work their uh, rotations, because they just brought us so much life and brought us uh, so much energy, which uh, the team really needs. So, who's your favorite Clipper of all time? Which one was that? Oh that man! Um, what do you got for me? The, uh, the entirety of your rooting existence, the one. Uh, there's so many. There were so many. Actually, there was great. I, I, but uh, Elton Brand was certainly great for us, and Chris. You know, Chris, who I, for me is the MVP of the, of the league this year. Yes. What he's done. Um, so I, I think Chris and, um, and Elton Brand were just sensational players for us. Billy Crystal here on the Rich Eisen Show. Before I get into um, your, your film here today, um, uh, you know, I was uh, so moved. It's five years ago, but I'll bring it up. I can't believe it's five years. But your, your speech, your eulogy in memorializing... Muhammad Ali five years ago was so remarkable. It was beautiful, Billy. There's no other word for it. Kind of like the movie that we're going to talk about here today, because it is about mortality. It is about also, you know, making the most of your time on earth because you're here today and who knows about tomorrow. Your relationship with Muhammad Ali started when and were you up on that stage at any point in time? Just can't believe that you are, in fact, one of the few chosen to speak um, about this this behemoth, this absolute legend on earth, Billy yeah, Crystal. Yeah, it, uh, it was unbelievably moving and an incredible journey, Rich. It started in, in, uh, right after he beat George Foreman. So that's 1974. 
And the late Dick Schapp, who was one of my closest friends, um, this is the first time I met him uh, back in 74. He, he, was, he was then the editor of Sport Magazine, and Ali was named the, the man of the year, the Sport Magazine man of the year. So they, they were having this local television special from the Plaza Hotel. And he called my agent looking for Robert Klein, Hmm. Who Rob is a great comedian, as you know, and did a lot of funny sports stuff to do like three, four minutes at the dinner. And then Robert was out of town. So my agent said, I've got this new kid. Um, I had not been on anything, Rich. I had not done anything. I was a substitute teacher um, in the junior high that I went to. And so we said, but I got this kid, and he does this really funny Ali Cosell thing. It might be perfect for it. Dick said, great. I don't even have to hear it. Have him at the show uh, Friday around 7 o'clock. The dinner starts at 8, and he'll go on around like 8.30, so on and so forth. So I get this call that I'm going to be there, and I'm going to sit on a dais. Um, the last dais I had been on was my bar mitzvah. <laughs> and when I, I get there, um, it's all of the men of the year in the different sports. So Archie Griffin had won the Heisman. He's there. Gina Marchetti was professional football with Baltimore Colts. He's there. On and on and on. And including Neil Simon, um, who was, you know, the, the greatest of all time. Yes. Uh, American playwright in many ways. Uh, definitely comedy playwright. And it's, and it's all of these amazing people. And, and uh, Dick shows me where I'm going to sit. And I go on three seats from my hero. Because it wasn't, you know, the boxing, of course. But this was the guy who was the voice of my generation. With the Kennedys gone and Martin Luther King gone, this was the man who came to college campuses. This is the man who spoke about Vietnam. This is the man who defied the draft, and he spoke for us. And I'm three seats from him, and I can't believe it, that I'm there. And then I get up when he, Dick introduces me, which I said, just introduce me as... Ali's closest and dearest friend, because nobody knew how the hell I was, because I didn't know. And I'll go right into the co-cell of it. I won't have to explain anything, right. and that'll relax me, and it'll, I think, funny. It'll be funny that way. So he does it. Ali's just staring at me as I walk behind him. I get to the podium. I go right into it. He goes crazy. He calls me his little brother, and that's how we were for 42 years for then. So now he's gone. I'm sitting there in the Coliseum. And I'm sitting next to President Clinton, and I'm about to go up there, and all I'm thinking is, what if Robert Klein was in town? wow. <laughs> 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 right? Right? I mean, it's, just, it's, about, it's about fate. It's about fate or destiny, somehow. And, and it was a real friendship, and I just, you know... To this day, uh, I, I'm looking at I'm at home, looking at pictures of us together. Mm. Um, when I was on tour with my Broadway show, Seven Hundred Sundays, we were playing in Arizona uh, in a beautiful Frank Lloyd Wright theater there, and it was Ali's uh, 65th birthday. So I went to the house in the morning, and we had breakfast together. And he said he wanted to come to the show. So. Um, the show was at 8 o'clock, and Lonnie, his amazing wife, said, I'm concerned about him, you know, uh, being a distraction in the audience. And I said, well, I'll, I'll get a chair, and I'll put it in the wings, mm. and he'll watch from the wings. So we got, like, this very comfortable um, chair for him. It was almost like a throne. And he watched the show from the wings, 
and we when we went to intermission, um, I said to the audience, before you go, I want to wish a happy birthday to who is now the greatest senior citizen of all time. <laughs> Uh, Muhammad Ali, and they applauded. I said, you know, I think you should applaud more because he's here. And I brought him out from the wings, and, and the place uh, went berserk. Of course. And it, it, was, it was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Life is amazing. Billy Crystal, five-time Emmy Award winner, Tony Award winner for um, 700 Sundays, you just mentioned, and then this film uh, that's in theaters tomorrow that you directed, co-wrote, um, and you mm. star in the film with Tiffany Haddish called here today and you just mentioned you know what a moving story about you know what you said about Muhammad Ali and it was such a beautiful speech you were also and I thought about this as I was watching your movie Billy you were also the MC for Dick Shap's memorial I was there because as you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm friendly with Jeremy or mm -hmm. Jeremy Shap ESPN um, you know as he always signs off and I sat there that day in that beautiful church uh, that landmark church in New York, and you you mentioned how Dick was forty when you guys met, and I was you know in my early thirties thinking that I had met everybody in my life that I would consider a great friend by that mm -hmm. point, and I saw the fact that you were now emceeing a memorial for one of the all time greats, Patti Lupone sang and Martina Navratilova spoke, and mm -hmm. I, it it hit me so so hard that you know my life is ahead of me right like in terms yeah. of who you never know who you're going to meet and that's the sensibility in a way that is in your film right now that um about you playing a writer um who is becoming you know ill and and meeting tiffany haddish who becomes such an important member of his life it it really struck me it is a beautiful film about mortality and about Humanity, and I, I just wanted to say that to set you up about why you made this film, Billy. I, 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 and I, I'm, I, I'm glad you saw it, um, and and that it moved you. Um, it's a, it's a movie about the true meaning of friendship and love, um, and it's very funny, and um, and it's it's uh, it's about something that's missing in our country, uh, I believe, which is empathy. And um, it's about sacrifice, about someone giving up something important to them to help somebody else who's in need. And um, I wanted to do, a, you know, I started writing it with my dear friend Alan Swibel, who's uh, an original SNL writer. We've known each other for 40, almost 50 years. And um, I saw him on the Letterman show, uh, and he described this this charity auction lunch that he went through, which was just a disaster, which is true in the movie. That's what that's what set me off. He was on Letterman talking about it. He's having lunch with this woman. She talk, she says she doesn't really like humor, <laughs> and and she she said, "Well, I'm just curious. Well, how much did you pay for the auction?" He said, "Twenty-two dollars." <laughs> and, and and then she has a reaction to the seafood salad. She blows up. He has to get an ambulance. She has no insurance. He's at the the hospital. They give him a bill for $2,300, and he has to give her an EpiPen shot to save her life. <laughs> so this is a luncheon from hell. So I'm watching Letterman. I started writing. I, I wrote to him, Al, this is a great way to start something. I don't know who these people are, of course, but what a great way to, to start the relationship. Um, and so let's see where we go. And that's, that's that was the jumping-off point. And then I was... Dealing with a relative, it was really my last relative standing, and she was a novelist and had written seven books and a very brilliant woman, and she started to lose her vocabulary, as she said, I'm losing my words. 
and it was so moving to me, and we took care of it right, you know, up until um, we couldn't anymore. And um, I thought, if we could roll that in to this character, then what was starts, starts off as a broad comedy becomes something much more important, then we might really have something. And then we just started taking off from there and, and developing the characters, and over a two-year period, we had a script that we liked. Got it to Tiffany. Um, she signed on immediately. I met her. Uh, I had I had only seen her on SNL hosting, which she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Look at this! This is meant to be." Um, she's so funny. She's so charming. She sings. She does all the things that the character Emma Page has to do in the film. And um, and that was it. And um, I'm really blessed to have worked with her, and that she's she's um, was so willing to stretch. Rich, you know, she's a five tool player. She's a five. <laughs> She is and, a five-tool player. Like no, that. she does it all. And to mine that and use that, um, all those different talents, and really, you know, even stretch her in, in ways that she hadn't done in films, and she was so uh, willing to, to grow and, 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 and develop herself, you know, and, and she's beautiful in the movie. And uh, again, the movie, The Beautiful is a great way to describe it, and it's available um, in theaters nationwide starting tomorrow. Um, it's called Here Today. So, Can I tell you one last little story? Please. You reminded me of? No, go for it. In, in that beautiful church, St. John's, um, where Dick's memorial was. Yes. That's where Howard Cosell's funeral was. No kidding. Yeah. So it's, I think it holds 1,500 people. And they were out on the streets with loudspeakers and stuff. And I'm sitting next to Ali. And it's a, it's a closed casket, okay? Flowers on top, everything. And the speech after speech... And Ali taps me on, the, on my arm and whispers to me in my ear. He says this, Do you think he's wearing his hairpiece? <laughs> <laughs> How does so one respond I, to that? I, I was like, you know, this was one of those, like, you know, who passed gas in, uh, you know, in, in church or synagogue. Somebody farted and you, you can't hold your laughter, you know. So I'm holding it in and I, and I go, I don't think so. <laughs> And he goes, so how will God recognize him? <laughs> so I said, once he opens his mouth, he'll know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. Oh, Cosell is part of the reason why I'm in this business. Uh, I grew up watching him on Monday Night Football, seeing his cameos on The Odd Couple. You know, seriously, like growing up in New York City, listening to him. Marv Alberts, the other, another reason why. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cosell, you just don't. You know, I mean, how many lawyers turned broadcasters are we ever going to see ever again in in right. our in our lifetime? So I very assume, I, did he did he like your your imitation? Or, uh, oh yeah, okay. oh very much so, oh okay. very much so. And then I started, you know, <laughs> you play around with him. You know, one it was bigger, it was you know sort of predictable kind of imitation of him. But then I started doing him uh, like ordering room service. In a, in a hotel. On the phone, I'm much funnier. It would be like, hello, room service, Howard Cosell, room 707. Listen, I'd like some eggs. Over easy. And then an English muffin, well done, please. Not like yesterday. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He was bigger than, but, Rich, he was bigger than life, though, no you know? 
wasn't he? I mean, the, one year in the TV Guide poll, he was most most admired and most hated in <laughs> the same it? poll. Oh yeah. So right? that's you know that's 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 where you want to be for somebody like that. I can't get enough of those stories. Al Michaels has a million of them, as I'm sure you know uh, about uh, Cosell. And, you know, it kind of kills me that we're in a day and age where some of us might have to actually explain to others who he was and what he meant. Um, oh, yeah. But um, oh, yeah. a giant, an absolute giant. Billy, I could take up your entire day. I really could because we didn't even hit uh, anything from your filmography. But let's let's do this again whenever you wish. I'd love to have you back, Billy. Thank All right, you. Rich. Good to see you. I hope to see you at a game sometimes. It means uh, we're getting back to normal. I would look forward to it. Maybe the playoffs. Maybe the playoffs. I hope so. What do you think? What's your choice? I, I don't know. I think you, you might be right deep down. This could be Chris Paul's year. I don't know. I know they got yeah. spanked last night, but that's just recency bias. Um, but don't you don't you think he's the MVP? I think you know you've got the Joker's been unbelievable. I mean, I watched it. He did stuff last night that I just to the Knicks I just couldn't believe. And, and but, the, but they don't have anybody with any kind of bulk to guard him because you know he's a he's a truck. This guy he's been so talented. There's Doc's new spot too. There's Doc's new spot and and Joel Embiid has been phenomenal. I mean, just yeah. off the charts phenomenal. So you never know. Steph Curry has been maybe the best he's ever been. It's a great conversation, yeah. though. But Paul yeah. has been incredible. He has been. Yeah. So and I don't a great know. guy, too. I look forward to uh, seeing how it all play out. Billy, thanks for the call. Congrats okay, on here today. Pleasure, Rich. Take care of yourself. Y- you bet. That's uh, Billy Crystal, the director, Thank co-writer, you, and star of Here Today, which you can see in theaters near you starting tomorrow. So much fun stuff to unpack right there. Back on The Rich Eisen Show in just a moment. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Rich, I hate to interrupt you, um, but yes. you know we were we were talking before the segment with yes, Melissa, sir. and I yes. think she has a physical challenge she wanted to throw oh, do. your way. And I put it out. Now, I know Rich. I know Rich is always on. Tw- I put it out on Twitter okay. that I that I would not do this interview okay. unless you got on a horse with me. You mean one of the horses that's out? There. We could even get on the same horse. Rich. I don't know if that would be one of the horses that is out there. All right, there's let's more do than it. one. Should we, we do it? Three horses. Yeah, yeah, let's go. We're gonna we go three outside. Minutes left. Is it already that time? Because wow. I know, I know it's it's gonna rain tomorrow apparently. Or so if I'm gonna get on a horse at all, we're gonna do it here. Oh and now. yeah. So the radio audience, Rich this. and Melissa are walking outside. That's right, we are. All right, where? Which one am I getting? Uh, ladies first. Which Wait, horse, are you wearing you your horse riding attire? Yeah. Well, Joe, Joe Buck <laughs> accused me of looking like Alex P. Keaton. So we're outside now. Choose your choose your horse. Okay, I'll choose this one. Can I hand you? Do you mind? Can I hand you that? Okay. Should I get on this? Come on this side. 
Okay. Don't walk behind the horse, Rick. I'm not going to definitely don't, walk don't worry. Behind the I know horse, Susie Rick. tells me that. Which, uh, I love it. Which All side right. am I getting on? Okay, left foot. Okay, here we go. We're going to call this horse Edelman. Yeah, Rich. Oh, Richie's on the horse. Oh, yeah. Okay, now I grab the I've got Gizmo, Rich. Who do you have over there? Who do I have over here? You have Pal. This is Pal? I'm going to call this Pal. I'm going to call it Edelman because it's white and there's a Jew on it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Rich, can we ride off into the sunset together or what do you think? <laughs> I still have an hour to do. Here we go. <laughs> you do? Rich is not let's, coming back. I just want to let you guys know yeah, that. Let's go. Come on, Pal. All right, so how, what do we do? Give we give kick. it a little kick? Little, little kick. Little, little kick. kick. Little okay, kick, Rich. There we go. Okay, oh, wait, there, okay there, Pal's riding, everybody. Pal's riding. Look out. Why don't you fall? I'll there follow we go. you, Rich. Well, I got oh, my guys, my guys going the wrong way, Rich. There we go. It's okay. Pal is now walking in circles. I'll see you later, Rich. So, Melissa, is this the craziest we're, thing you've ever done on live television? Rich, we're because going to the stadium. <laughs> Come on. Here we go. There you Keep go. up. Come on, guys. Here we go. Yeehaw. Rich, when was the last time you rode a horse? Honestly? How about this is the first time I've ever done this? Ever ridden a horse? I've, I've never and done this. doesn't it feel good? This is if you want it to turn, yes. I think you kick it. I think you kick one side if you want it to turn the other way, Rich. I am now riding a horse towards University of Phoenix Stadium. This is this is my Uber. <laughs> Right now, Pal is going to be walking around. boy, Pal. And this is how far Rich has come from 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Melissa Stark and I are riding horses. Is this going on the Emmy reel? About 45 seconds left. Oh Matt Hasselbeck next hour. I'm teasing Matt, the show on a, horse. on a horse. Wait. Come on, pal. And he's taking you off into the corner. I don't know. I'm he might be doing something obscene back pal, there. Pal does not want to be on this show anymore. Amazing, we were allowed we to come horses. back on the air the next day. <laughs> I mean, he had a he had a Directv blimp above us. Chris Long is one of the greatest bosses all ever. of us have ever had. I That's a fact. Care. We all know that. Eight four four two zero four Rich number to dial. What a great chat that was with Billy Crystal. I, I'm I'm serious. I, I'll get a little bit um, deep. I was in this. I was in the in the. Susie and I were together. Um, will you look up when Dick Shap passed away, Chris? Would you mind doing that yes, right now, please? I remember that. Uh, I'm I'm wondering when it was, like what year it was. It was, oh, two, it was 2001, right okay, before 2001, Christmas. Yeah. Right. So I think Susie and I had just gotten engaged, I think. And and I honestly, you know, I, I you know I have such a tight knit group. From my high school and grade school days, Staten Island, you know, I still stay in touch with most of them. You know, it, it, it's 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 it's, and at the time it was since I was on the East Coast, you know, and I had yet to have a wife and kids and move out west. You know, um, it was really moving. Um, I, I was tight with this group, and I honestly sat there in that church that day listening to the stories that Billy Crystal was telling about Dick Shap and that they had met when Dick was 40. And now here's that guy. Here's that guy emceeing the event. I seriously sat there and I thought, I'm 31. And I walked into this church today thinking, I have met the, tight, the, the most important friends I'll ever have in my life. You know, because I am a kid from Staten Island. I was on SportsCenter or whatever for five years. But I'd, I'd kind of already, you know, yeah, been exposed I, I to... I got enough friends. Right. I, I, I've yeah. got enough friends. And I sat there and I'm like, maybe not. Yeah. Look at this. And it's, it really changed my perspective on so much. Yeah. It really did. 
And then two years later, I met Del Tufo, and I knew I was right. <laughs> I know, right. Rich. Right, buddy? Yes. Okay. I mean, I met you 10 years ago. There you go. And you're now America's plus one. <laughs> I'll take it. Yes. <laughs> Michael Smith, a brother from another, taking us to his show with Michael Holly. How are you, sir? Good. How y'all doing? Better for talking to you. What's on your show today? What's on your mind? Did y'all, did y'all really have me uh, following Billy Crystal? Yes, sir. That's the way we roll. <laughs> Hell, man. That's the way we roll here on Peacock. That's what we oh, do. Okay. Thanks. Oh, come on. No, Michael. Uh, I, I, I love our chats. I love your, I do, too. You know, just, like, put me earlier than Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm just saying. Like, You're in the cleanup spot. Like, no, no, no. Don't no. blame you. I blame you producers. Like, no, organize just... that better. Don't put me in that position. No, Michael. Follow Billy Crystal. Look, just because Billy cleared the bases doesn't mean you can't knock it, knock it, knock him in, and we finish up uh, with a walk-off. How does that sound? No mm-hmm. pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we're just going to continue to try to unpack this, this Aaron Rodgers so-called beef. I mean... Biggie wants a rap. What's beef? This is this is not beef. This is a turkey burger for me. This is this is this is an impossible burger. This is beyond meat, which I love, by the way. I love beyond meat. I mean, you know, I love plant-based proteins. I, I actually, this is the name drop. I'm good friends with the founder and CEO of Beyond Meat. But like, this has to be. This is unprecedented for a reason, and there's a reason why no MVP has ever changed teams, right? Because Typically, the situation is good and beneficial for both parties to have been good enough to be MVP. The team doesn't want to get rid of you, and typically you don't want to leave that situation. So this is the most unnecessary, along with unprecedented standoff, that I can remember because, and I'm no sports encyclopedia, but tell me the player, the star player, who's ever tried to force his way out of town based on anything other than money or not being able to pursue a championship or feeling like he can't win a championship in that situation. I don't know. Maybe, not maybe, not maybe those apply here. Well, I guess Jordan might be the only one that comes within the area code and, and Aaron Rodgers reportedly referring to his general managers, the Jerry Krause, which is a off comparison, right? That's way off. So, so, but how about this though, uh, Michael? I mean, like, I guess it's like the Midwest weather. You got to wait a while and it might change because you know, my colleague on, on NFL Network, while I was talking to Billy Crystal, um, James Jones, who knows Aaron very uh-huh. well, and he uh-huh. has made mention about items from the Packers world that come true um, a lot. So he is, if you will, plugged in. No doubt. He, he said on NFL Network 20 minutes ago that it's not about getting the GM fired. It's all about making sure we have the key guys we need to win championships and referred to the situation repeatedly, quote-unquote, fixable. So there's that as well. well. I think John Kuhn said something to the same effect recently as well. But thank you for that heads up. I'll be sure to incorporate that into the upcoming show. Because so. You that know, makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. I mean, that does, that does though. That does make sense. That, that, that. Um, and, and again, I don't know, um, if, if, if they, they drafted a wide receiver or linebacker at 26th overall last year or a lineman of either side of the ball, we're not having this conversation right now though. So there seems to be, there's so many different sides to this. Okay. So Brian Gutekunst is doing such a terrible job and and I'm not saying you're saying this. 
But I don't think there's a question as to whether or not the talent is there. I mean, they went 13-3 and the last two years, and they're a bad call, a blown coverage, and a bad decision by the head coach from going to the Super Bowl last year. So they must be doing something right to be 13-3 and back-to-back years in, in an NFC Championship game. So now it's all about making sure that we have the guys we need. Does this mean that Aaron wants to make the call so that, he's, that he can say that Jay Kumaro is going to make the team and Jay Kumaro actually does make the team? So I mean, how much is this a is this a Russell Wilson where he won't stay in personnel? Because um, it's a really good situation, and that's why the Kraus comparison irks me. Because number one, Kraus built uh, an organization around Michael Jordan and won six championships. So if I'm Brian Gutekunst, I'm flattered. Number one, number two, Gutekunst is not trying to break up the team. He's not. He is not backing Aaron Rodgers into a corner. He's not saying, okay, I'm not giving you. You, you, you have to play for another coach. Jordan was like, I'm not playing for anybody other than Phil Jackson. No, but here, like, let me just, I want Tim Floyd. Let me just jump in real quick here because sure. I, I don't want you to be late for your show and we have the old proverbial heart out in about two minutes. That there is a forcing of the situation, though. The drafting of, of Jordan Love and the fact that his guaranteed money runs out this year absolutely forces the situation. Well, the latter they should fix. That's on the team. Fix that. Like grill this but beef, fixing grill this that, beef and eat it. The Jordan Love thing, get over it, Aaron. No, no, get no, but no, 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 no. But the fixing of it means that they cannot put Jordan Love on the practice field and on the actual playing field enough to evaluate him before they have to make a decision on a fifth-year option. The time ticks the minute that they draft Jordan Love, and last year was the freebie. There, there is a forcing of the situation with the way that they drafted and the way that his contract is constructed. I there, don't see it that way. They need to redo the contract. There's no question about it. They need to redo the contract, give Aaron what he wants. But that means Jordan Love doesn't get on the field, Michael. Well, that hap- not, it's not the first or the last. I mean, that happens. He's not the first. I mean, okay, they drafted him in the first round. Uh, so, okay, trade him. Move. He's not ready to play now. He's not ready. And Aaron Rodgers just won MVP. Typically, there is a Steve Young or an Aaron Rodgers waiting in the wings, and typically the incumbent quarterback is declining. Neither of those things apply in this situation. So, if anything, the Packers may have blown that pick. Or if Aaron Rodgers is, is hell-bent on not playing for the Packers and decides to retire, then they look pretty good for having the foresight to pick a potential successor. But Jordan Love is not a threat to Aaron Rodgers just because they drafted him in the first round. I get the contract, and that needs to be addressed. But Aaron's, if Aaron just won MVP. This isn't Favre you know, on the downside late in his career, so they thought. Michael, I appreciate the time. Have a great show with Michael Holly. We'll I love sit you, man. Great job right back at the draft. You. Thank you. Love you. Appreciate that. Right back at you. Thank you. That's Michael Smith, all right here on NBC Sports on Peacock. Brother from another starts in a matter of moments. I want to thank Arthur Smith, David Shaw, Frank Reich, Billy Crystal. Tomorrow's show, Matt Nagy of the Bears, Mike McCarthy of the Cowboys, and the dreamy Josh Dumel. <laughs> That's on Friday's edition of the Rich Eisen Show right here on this radio station. We will see you then. For those watching on Peacock, we'll take you to Michael Smith in a matter of moments.